everybody, and welcome to the Health Tech Pigeon podcast, bringing you the top health tech news stories and analysis every single week. I'm James, and back with me today, I have my co-hosts, Jessica and Henry. Hello, guys. How are you doing? Yeah, good, thanks. It's been a, a good week, a solid week, apart from spilling coffee on the only pair of shorts that I brought up to London with me. So that's solid, but otherwise good. Yeah, it's been a good week here as well. Another busy week with a few people out on annual leave. And I'm looking forward to seeing what foreign suites they bring back. That's one of the things I miss about being in an office, actually. Whenever people go on annual leave and then they bring back delicious treats. But we're catching up together as a team next week. So this is a note to the Swimax team. Make sure you bring treats. <laughs> it's, a, it's an advantage of uh, yeah people going abroad and bringing back presents. I can remember actually on the wards that was always just always so delightful whoever had brought in sweets or even at the end of a school term whenever anyone brought in sweets or when it was their birthday for some reason they're the ones that have to bring in sweets it was a strange tradition but yeah I think it's joyous whenever that happens I have to say there was one time where it wasn't joyous and I know this is off topic but I once went to Sweden and brought back salt licorice and proudly presented them to my tutor group and everyone took one and as they left the room Everyone threw it in the bin one by one. And uh, that was a very traumatic experience. So whilst generally joyous, probably not when I do it. I will not bring back salt licorice again. Salt licorice sounds absolutely disgusting. It sounds horrific. It sounds absolutely horrific. Anyway, we digress. Um, The week in health tech. uh, It's been an interesting one. feels like a lot has happened uh, in health tech recently. I suppose that's always to be expected with a new health secretary and uh, an economic crisis and yeah, just loads going on, loads going on. So let's get into it. First story that we're going to talk about today is Apple have released a growth strategy on health tech. And this has been analyzed by a few different people in the space, a few different publications in the space. Uh, Musty, who uh, actually, I worked with to start Health Tech Pigeon back in the day. Did a really good uh, Twitter thread on this, sort of an I read it so you don't have to. He also put it onto his website, uh, exp- what is it? explain explainthispaper.com, which for anybody that hasn't seen that, really recommend having a look. Uh, really simple explanations into um, publications and papers, one of which is the Apple uh, growth strategy on health tech. So, Henry, kick us off. Um, what have you read on this? What's going on? I really like this. I, generally speaking, it's the one we've linked to is from CB Insights, which is one of those places that just pumps out reports on different industries, different things. And often they're hidden behind the paywall and they're, I have no idea what they're like because they're hidden behind the paywall. But this is nice. It's a really nice summary of it. Um, they've basically split it out into looking at how Apple have acquired things invested in things or partnered with different people. And that's across AR and VR, digital health, machine learning and AI. And it's just a really fascinating look at how they're going to move forward. Obviously, they've released that 70 odd page paper this week, announcing their health tech strategy, the one that Musty covered. But this is a really good way of looking at the other stuff they're doing around it, like all those all those acquisitions. So things like Blogen, um, no, they've partnered with Blogen and Cerner and United Healthcare and IBM. Um, and they have bought, I think, Chewio Health, uh, Inductive, Lazalike, Lighthouse. So there's loads of machine learning and AI. That seems to be their main acquisition model. Um, yeah, I, I found this fascinating to read through. I don't know if Jess, if you had any thoughts. 
Yeah, I I really like this concept and it's not a new concept. It's not something that Apple necessarily have come up with themselves of, you know, the health passport and, you know, I guess with sensors and devices and that kind of thing, being able to own your own data and have a really clear insight into your health and lifestyle and how all of those things intersect. Um, But Marcy made a really good point, actually, on Twitter about the fact that, in principle, all of this is fantastic. It's great. And, you know, it's very much speaks to the fact that people are taking, you know, management of their health and their care into their own hands, um, which is fantastic. But when you think about health equity, ultimately, the, the, the benefits of these products and also the benefits of the data coming out of it is going to be inherently biased because it's going to be on Apple users and clearly there are costs associated with Apple devices and all of that kind of thing. So whilst this is great, um, you know, and it's really interesting to see how some of the the big tech players are focusing in on and doubling down into health tech, I would really like to see a focus on how they are considering what they're doing in the context of health equity too. So improving health across the board um, rather than just people who can afford those devices um and and perhaps they have considered that it's just not been a discussion point yet but i thought that was a really insightful comment from from us in in his kind of tldr um review of it it was it was good yeah definitely i mean he he summarizes in that twitter thread with incredible clinical and research opportunity but some barriers to overcome i'm cautiously optimistic um and on explainthispaper.com Apple's large healthcare data set, coupled with their innovative tech, provides an incredible opportunity for improving clinical care and research. So clearly the opportunities there and, and you know, it, it's going to be super interesting to see what they do. It's nice that they've come out and actually called out what they're up to in one place so you can kind of see it all. Um, I wonder what moves they are making next. On to story number two. Second story in Health Tech Pigeon this week, digital health unicorns need a checkup. So this is a TechCrunch article that talks about the fact that layoffs keep going in this sector. (laughs) We've written happy Sunday evening uh, in that. So when you get that, yeah, more layoffs are happening. Uh, They keep going. But I suppose the question being looked at here is what lessons are being learnt. Henry, talk us through this one. Yeah, it's, you know, if you are listening to this on a Sunday evening, sort of somewhere between Last of the Summer Wine and Songs of Praises, uh, <laughs> apologies, it is quite depressing. It's a great article, as most stuff from TechCrunch is. Um, yeah, they do need a checkup. It's mainly about the layoffs, but it's about how we should be learning lessons from this and what pain points there are. It talks a lot about how we announce these things, how people should be planning for stuff in advance. Um and it's not scathing, but it's also not particularly supportive of some of the valuations that we've seen over the last year. 2021, we know, was an exceptional year for valuations. Um, and I think that what I read from this is that we all got a bit excited, you know, yeah. making more, getting more investment than any other industry, any other sector. It felt like last year you could rock up to most VCs with a, with a two-sentence pitch deck and, uh, and, and raise a decent seed. Obviously, that's not true, but it, it it really felt a bit wild westy, and so I mean, you did you did pedal that narrative massively in Pigeon as well, with constantly <laughs> so, constantly saying every single week, 
oh, we've got so much investment in this sector. Things are going amazing. Like, <laughs> you are definitely a contributing factor to the many thousands of people that get our newsletter. This is this is like when the, the Daily Mail gets on its high horse about something, gets really angry about it, and the next day it's like, how could they do this? Yeah, literally, this is you now, yeah. If anyone wants to point the finger at the impending collapse of health tech as a sector, you can point it at Pigeon, which is written anonymously and definitely not by me. Um, <laughs> look, it's, it's a really solid article. I recommend reading it. Long story short, we need to learn lessons from this. Will we learn lessons from it? History shows us probably not. Well, it sounds like... They have been listening to Health Tech Pigeon podcast, a culmination of everything we've been saying over the last couple of weeks. Um, but I do think that probably the impact of any companies, any industry making changes is not going to be seen for, for months, if not, you know, more than that. So, you know, I, I don't think we'll necessarily see any huge, you know, positive impact necessarily for a little while yet. But as we always say, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the coming six months. I um I really enjoyed the quote from Rose. It's attributed to Rose Leadership. Uh, but it says, narrowing the focus does not mean we will launch any fewer products or services for patients. In fact, we believe it will have the opposite effect. We will increase the speed of innovation for patients. But so you're narrowing the focus, but you're not going to get rid of any products or services, which I very rarely narrow my focus personally on a personal or professional level. Uh, but if I was going to do that, I'd probably start by having fewer products or services. And then they say, in fact, we believe it will have the opposite effect. We will increase the speed of innovation for patients. Why did you hire them then? What are well, you doing? Well, like- I'm going to play devil's advocate here because it does say that was in an internal memo. And I think perhaps, you know, it's it's attributed, as you say, to Rose leadership. And I think that might well be a case of leaders trying to set an example, leaders trying to set some communication out there that galvanizes people that instill or, or removes this culture of fear because of these cuts and all these different things so perhaps what they're trying to do playing devil's advocate in that internal memo that clearly is not something and uh, well, maybe was it meant i mean it's ended up in TechCrunch. whether that's leaked i don't know but um point is perhaps they are just trying to generate some optimism and actually Again, you know, if you if there are less resources, you have to find efficiencies. You, if you back yourself as, a, as, a, as an innovative company, like with entrepreneurial people or intrapreneurial people, perhaps you will end up doing those things and be stronger from it. So perhaps it's just an example of uh, communication and optimism. That's my devil's advocate. To play devil's advocate, advocate. If you switch some of those words out, so narrowing the focus does not mean we will launch any fewer products or services for patients. Let's go with narrowing the shopping list that we have does not mean we will have any fewer snacks or meals in the house. In fact, we believe it will have the opposite effect. We will increase the number of meals we have in the house. It doesn't make any sense. You can't narrow the focus and do the same. It's weird. It doesn't make sense. And I can see the angle of being optimistic and see the angle of you know, wanting to reassure your existing staff that not everything is going down the toilet, but at least makes sense. Anyway, uh, I'd argue perhaps, <laughs> perhaps you're reading too much into that and switching things out that then don't make sense. I don't know. Perhaps we'll agree to disagree on this one. Fair enough. Next story. Human raised $10 million to stop you Googling your health. So this is a story about a company called Human. 
not just a human, uh, has raised $10 million to, uh, well, it's actually Canva alumni, which I think is super interesting that we can probably talk about. Two former product managers at Canva um, done this huge seed round to launch a personalized healthcare platform that's going to combat or help, I don't know, people that are Googling their symptoms. Jess, do you want to come in on this one? Yeah, love to. I think I am all about celebrating seeing the amazing achievements of female founders in the space, especially in health tech, and especially with a raise at seed level of this size. I think it's incredibly impressive. And for it to be an all-female founded team, I think all the, all the more impressive as well. Um, I think it's also a big problem that, that does need to be solved. And so good for them for kind of grasping that and, and running with it because we you know we've seen the problem being tackled over here in the uk by uh, the medwise team from that clinical perspective because we know that ultimately when, when people are googling symptoms whether you're a clinician or whether you're a person you're getting the best optimized results you're not getting the most accurate and the correct results and so good to see this being solved on the the clinician side um but i think again really nice to see that from the more consumer side of things, everyone jokes about Dr. Google, but actually I, I would much rather go to a place where I know that I'm getting safe and accurate information because like we all do it. We all get really stressed about what we find when we've Googled the latest day campaign that we've got that, you know, is probably no more than like an insect bite or something like that. But yeah, I, I think it's awesome. Um, and I, I hope that it's potentially the beginning of a, a trend where we see some awesome female-founded innovations getting the attention and investment that they deserve because um, I know that it's it's tough as a female founder to to get a investment but investment at this level um, it's incredibly impressive so kudos to them it's a great fund who've invested in them as well they've done nine exits I think I was reading which is uh, which is great and they only only do Australia and New Zealand so that's uh, that seems like a good partnership I, I think what's also very cool is that the the health tech industry over in Australia really does seem to be thriving at the moment and I know that we're obviously great friends with Peter Birch and he's doing fantastic things to bring that community together so it's really nice to see what's happening over on the other side of the world and I really hope that we start to see some perhaps cross-continent collaborations where we can start sharing some of this innovation and some of these great ideas um, and and both be benefiting on on both sides of of the planet I guess but um, it's always really cool to see what's, what's happening over there and I guess I also like Australia. I'm happy to take a site visit, go and explore <laughs> the, the health tech industry over there myself. Emily Emily Casey writes What the Health did a really good post last month about why is Australian health tech so behind and how is it catching up? So I highly recommend that if you want a good insight into uh, into healthcare down under. No, that sounds wrong. Not <laughs> <laughs> I think let's keep that let's keep that one in. And for the and for the listeners, by the way, there's one of these, there's one of these every single week that we actually have to cut out. I was going to mention the one last week. I'm not going to, but yeah, there's one of these every single week. We're going to leave this one in though. Last week's was not fine, but we're going to leave this one in just so everyone's fully aware that this is the editing required when Henry's on a podcast. I'd also like to point out that. I don't live in a permanent state of innuendo. I just sort of happen to say things like that. If you want to know more about healthcare down under, do check out, do check out what the health. Yeah, do do yeah, do check out what the health. Uh 
Emily Casey's a good friend of ours. Uh, she's What the Health is one of the newsletters that is recommended by Pigeon and vice versa. Um, so yeah, to get all of your meet all of your Australian health needs. That also sounds wrong. Health tech needs, uh, health tech news needs. My God, this is turning into a horrible podcast. Stop. This uh, is, yeah, just stop. Gibberish. Just stop talking. Uh, on to the next story. All right, final story this week that we're going to chat about is researchers. They've tried to calculate the impact of health tech companies. What a job that has been. Uh, and it has sent startups a bit wild. So, uh, Henry, talk to us about this one. I mean, firstly, kudos to um, Mohana Ravindranath, who wrote this for using tizzy in a headline. Sent startups into a tizzy is a great sentence. That's just a strong word, isn't it? Like, Sure. I just avoided yeah. using that because I thought that was something that you'd written into Pigeon. <laughs> that was actually in the title of the, of the article. So as you yeah, say, yeah. completely fair play. Yeah, It's great. I love this because we talked a lot before, both internally and on the podcast and in Pigeon, about how if everything that was in every pitch deck about health tech was true, or at least was, came to fruition, we'd all be immortal. right? So what I really like about this is that an impact-based study, and they've been done before, um, but they took the data from Rock, Rock Health, from Rock Health uh, and did like a really basic clinical robustness score and then all of the completed clinical trials, its regulatory findings from the FDA, so it's all US-based, and then put them into a formula and worked out who's actually having an impact. Now, whenever you see a study that a company has commissioned or put together or been kind of a part of, there's always that sense that like, well, how accurate is this? Have you paid for this? Have you paid someone to do it? We all know there are places you can go and drop 10, 15, 20,000 pounds, and they'll write a nice study, impact study for you that says that, you know, if you employ X software, all your patients will live to 120 and you'll be much more handsome or whatever they're promising you. Um, so when someone does it independently, it tends to get people's backs up because they'll be like, oh, you've missed this, you've missed that, you haven't factored in X, you haven't, you know, this is a misleading figure. And that's fine. That is a, a valid counter argument because there's no way that with the best will in the world, um, the John Hopkins gastroenterologist who made this study would have had access to every bit of data, but people get really defensive about it. I think it's a good thing to have constant external validation in the same way that independent like checking of systems by people like Hardy and Health, independent kind of review of people's processes and how valid they are medically, clinically, those are good things. I think it's also good to be looking at the impact because we can all promise in a pitch deck to change healthcare forever, to revolutionize healthcare, change the face of healthcare, whatever, whatever buzzword is in that quarter, but you have to be able to prove it. And I like this article. I like it a lot. Uh, I've never read anything from statnews.com because I can barely count. Uh, but this was, this was great. I think you're right, Henry. I think this is a really interesting article. And looking at what Mohana has written about previously, there's some really interesting investigative health tech articles here some you know she's written for politico and all sorts and i think it's an interesting one because i remember when i was writing for forbes and casual name drop i know i'm that guy remember when i was doing this amazing thing um yeah <laughs> hey i worked hard, i worked hard for that man i was writing for a long time before i got that gig so you know i'm i'm not i'm not knocking it <laughs> but one thing I will say is that actually it was really hard. It was really hard to to write articles where you're not quite sure how much of your own opinion to put in. You're not quite sure how deep to go when you're investigating because, you know, I was 
just somebody in the space that I didn't really consider myself anything special in the space to really have these really bold opinions or to do this investigation to try and you know unearth things and you know I was party to some information and how much of that should you really be putting out this sort of thing so it's a tough line to walk but what I would say is looking at looking at a lot of these articles and, and also look that's what journalism is right you're, you're trying to f- you're seeking truth you're seeking truth for the benefit of the many and that's what good journalism is and I think in health tech there's not much of that I would say I think there is, there are a lot of health tech publications there are a lot of people reporting raise and putting opinion that you know this partnership has happened and putting opinion there's a there's a lot of that but I think to be truly investigative is bold to call out things like CEO salaries like she has done is bold but you're seeking truth and you're reporting truth and you're laying out facts for other people to have an opinion I think where people are doing that it's brave and where people are doing that I think it's I think it's really cool and so kudos to Mahana for this Cool. Well, thanks, guys. Good rundown through the news. Another big week in health tech, as always. Um, thank you for joining me. And for anybody listening that wants to grab all of the links to those stories, read a bit more, you can also see a couple of jobs that are out there. There are a couple of jobs out there in health tech still. Not everybody's cutting. A couple of other podcasts to listen to besides this one. You can head to healthtechpigeon.com uh, to find out all of that stuff. Subscribe to the newsletter, all the rest of it, and you're going to get that every week in your inbox on Sundays. So thank you very much all for listening. Have a great week.